it's a crazy story. I, I call him my big brother. I asked him a question one day. I said, what do you, what do you believe happens after we die? And he goes, ah, hold on a second. He hands me a book, Jonathan Livingston Siegel by Richard Bach. He's like, read this, come back to me. We'll talk about it. And then I'll answer your question. And I was like, okay. I read it in a day. And I, I didn't like reading, but I read it in a day. I come back. Hey, all right. All right hey, so what do you believe? What do you, what do you think happened? Hold on. He goes and gets me another book, Illusions of a Reluctant Messiah. I read that two days, come back. All right. Hey, what do you believe? Hold on. Gives me the alchemist. I think after that, it was either the alchemist or the greatest salesman in the world. One of the two. And I knocked that out in a day. I come back again, gives me Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Now I know I'm never going to get an answer to this question, but I don't need an answer anymore. So from then I, I just became lustful for knowledge and I never asked him the question again. Welcome back to another episode of Get Psyched. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today, actor, model, professional athlete, Nick Denby is joining me on the show. We talk all about identity, how to walk with the ego, what happens after we die, and what it's like for Nick to detach from the characters he plays on film and come home to self. Nick shares openly and vulnerably about his life experience, things that have radically changed his outlook on life and how you can do the same. If you are looking to identify all parts of yourself, to get in touch with the wild woman inside of each and every one of us, I'm super excited to announce my wild woman retreat in October. This retreat is for female identifying folks. So sorry, guys, I will have one coming your way at some point in the future. But for right now, the Wild Woman Retreat is happening at the end of October, just outside the Smoky Mountain National Park in Tennessee. We are diving into parts work. We're diving into psychoeducation around trauma and neuroscience. We are coming back home to the best parts of us and allowing them to flourish in a society that sometimes tells us to be a little less of ourselves. So if any of that sounded interesting and you want to get in touch with your wild woman, be sure to hit the link in the show notes and get your application in spots are filling up. It's super limited. And Amanda, my co-host, and I cannot wait to host you in Tennessee at the end of October until next week. Enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome back to Get Psyched. I'm sitting down with Nick Denby, and I'm super stoked because I feel like our friendship started over you posting your new plants on Instagram and how excited you were when they got a new leaf. And I was like, I don't even know this guy, but I'm so here for his plant posts. And I knew we were going to be friends. So Nick, welcome to Get Psyched. Thanks so much for sitting down with us. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I I tend to just... uh throw some plant stuff up there when it, a new little leaf sprouts. I'm like, I got a little green thumb. I got a, I got a very fertile window seal. <laughs> and there's, so, there's nothing more exciting than not only did I not kill it, but it's thriving. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually went and got one replanted in the, the lady said, whatever you're doing, you know, just keep doing it. And I was like, all right, I'm not doing much, but it's going well. So I was pretty <laughs> oh, yeah. pumped about it. <laughs> well, Nick, for people that are tuning in and are like, other than being plant master extreme, yeah, 
Can you give people a little little elevator pitch? Who's Nick? Oh man, I, good question. I don't even know who I am. I'm still figuring it out day Aren't by day. Uh, so I, I used to play college professional football. Uh, been an athlete my whole life. Um, CrossFit, and uh, then went into entertainment, acting, modeling. That's what I've been doing for the last 15 years. And then just trying to figure out who else I am on the other side of all that stuff. So, so I think it's a great place to jump in because I think that so often we can get so attached to some of those different roles, right? Like for me, for a long time, it was CrossFit athlete. Lindsay and CrossFit were synonymous. I can't tell you how many people have me saved in their phone as like Lindsay CrossFit or, you know, whatever it is, yeah. coach. Um, and stepping away from that identity, not completely, but letting it become a part of me, not all of me was a really interesting experience. So I could only imagine, mm-hmm. you know, fo- professional football, CrossFit athlete, actor, model, right? Like those are a lot of different identities that you have kind of morphed into. What has that experience been like? Well, I guess I started from, from being an athlete, I would say... After I retired, the first six months after that was just, I would wake up in tears Mm -hmm. every night of having dreams that I'm not going to play anymore. And that had become so much of my identity and and who we are. And I think that happens to a lot of athletes because that's who they are. That's all they've known their whole lives growing up and going through that. So when that's over and it's abruptly over, for most guys, it doesn't just taper out you know you don't get older and you've been in in the NFL for 10-15 years or NBA or whatever it is it's most guys it's it's done college is done you're done high school is done you're done and so that experience of just an ending and it really takes time to figure out okay now what now Mm -hmm. who am I that I'm not this person that I was my whole life that everybody told me I was and validated who I was, and I validated myself and who I was. Now that that guy's gone, so now who am I? And I think uh, CrossFit came along for me around that time. I was playing arena ball, and I we would do CrossFit as a switch up workout in two thousand eight. And really? uh, yeah, yeah, early. I mean, the first workout I. I went to this gym and we trained there and it was great. And she goes, Hey, you want to try this workout called Fran? And I was like, sure. What's this Fran thing all about? It's this thing called a thruster. Never heard of a thruster. I was like, all right, let's do a thruster. And what else? Some pull-ups. Yeah, no problem. I did that for the first time. And it was like three something in three minutes. And I was laying on the floor for about an hour. And the lady called me the next day at home. Hey, are you, are you, are you okay? Everything you good, good? Man? I was like, I'm good. I'm good. Don't worry about me. I'm good. But it was an experience. And I was like, wow, this is, this is something new. And so then I kind of jumped into doing that and doing little local competitions and doing the open and just having fun with that, threw myself into that. And also at the, that time I was, was transitioning into entertainment. I had moved to LA and started doing the acting modeling. And, you know, then, then I became that person oh now you're a model you know you're an actor and it's all just a bunch of labels Mm. it's just a bunch of labels until you figure out who you are inside of yourself and so I spent a lot of years after that reading 
I mean, I would for three years, I was probably reading eight hours a day. Really? And I, I, I just, I, it's a crazy story. I, I have, I call him my big brother. Um, I asked him a question one day, you know, I said, I said, what do you, what do you believe happens after we die? And he goes, ah, hold on a second. He hands me a book, Jonathan Livingston Siegel by Richard Bach. He's like, read this, come back to me. We'll talk about it. And then I'll answer your question. And I was like, okay. I read it in a day. And I, I didn't like reading, but I read it in a day. I come back. Hey, all right. All right hey, so what do you believe? What do you, what do you think happened? Hold on. He goes and gets me another book. I think it was Illusion, Illusions of a Reluctant Messiah. I read that in two days. Come back. All right. Hey, what do you believe? Hold on. Gives me the alchemist, I think, after that. It was either the alchemist or the greatest salesman in the world, one of the two. And I knocked that out in a day. I come back again. Gives me Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Now I know. I'm never going to get an answer to this question, but I don't need an answer anymore. So from then, I, I just became lustful for knowledge, and I never asked him the question again. After that, I just was, I would ask him for books. He would give me books. I would get, pick my own stuff out, and I just went on just this deep, long search of, I guess, meaning. And I spent three years where I was just acting classes, auditions, work out, read the rest of the night, maybe from 6 p.m. till 2 a.m. every day. And I was just getting through books and just, you know, trying to discover who I was. And so I, I did. I spent a lot of time doing that. And I'm still doing it. Something new happens, a new experience happens, and I have to go back and reevaluate who I am, you know? Yeah. I think that is something anyone who's listening right now, like reverse the episode, listen to that again, rewind. Because I think so often, when we get presented with new information, a lot of our natural reaction is to like push it away. Be like, no, this is what I believe. This is why I believe it. And it takes a lot of courage to be open to changing your mind or be open mm. to experiencing life through someone else's experience or lens. Um, mm -hmm. Was that something that you attribute to kind of this personal development and reading all of those books or was this learned? Was this a natural characteristic? I think I've always been pretty open-minded and just been interested in a lot of things. That's one of my favorite words. My friends make fun of me because I always say, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's fascinating. And uh, I just, I don't know. I, I'll see something and I go down a rabbit hole with it. So I just find so many things in this world fascinating. But also I think there's, a, I read a lot of Joseph Campbell's work and if you know him, like the power of myth and things like that, and, and you know, the hero's journey is what you see in all the movies. It's like you start out one way and then you get called or you go out on this long journey and then you come back a whole nother person. And I think that's what happens throughout our life. You know, we go through these things, these journeys, and then we come back and we're changed. And then we go out, we get called on another journey. And so that's kind of how I look at it now is just, there's going to be things that you're going to go through. There's going to be situations that you have to deal with. And, and there's going to be new knowledge that you learn. And you're going to go out on this wonderful journey and come back a different person. And hopefully you enjoy the journey while you're, while you're going on it, even though there's a lot that will probably be miserable. But there's also going to be a lot that's beautiful. And if you can take the beautiful experiences out of it and the change out of it, then 
you'll you'll be undefeated in your mind you know your mind will be iron and you'll there's no one that can break you after that yeah welcoming in that flexibility or that learning experience for sure I I think that's what makes human beings great is we're so adaptable you know we can adapt to anything climate I mean look at what we do we've we've built the world from scratch essentially and now we have we figured out ways to do anything and everything go to outer space do this do that change here comes we need get off fossil fuels let's go electric let's we're just very adaptable at things and the more adaptable you are the easier it is to just maneuver yourself in and out of life do you listen to the huberman lab podcast at all I have. So he was talking about optimal states of being, right? And what Mm. humans prefer in our body, like when you're measuring our brain waves, all the different things, right? Mm. What is a level of experience that we crave? And right, a lot of people thought it was like ecstasy or orgasm or these really, you know, quote unquote, good feelings. And what the studies found is that people actually thrive when they're being successful about 88% of the time and failing the other 12 to 20%, that they're like right on the cusp of being really good at something, but there's still Mm -hmm. challenge in front of them. And which is such an interesting reframe, right? Because how for football or for acting or, you know, for people who haven't had that experience, anything in your career or in school, when you're, you know, you're good at something, but you bump up against that frustration, like there could be almost something no more deterring than that, right? When you're like, damn it. And so it was such an Mm -hmm. awesome reframe that now when I feel like I'm getting to an experience where I'm starting to fail or it's starting to get frustrating or starting to get, I'm having to get creative. Um, I try to remind myself like, Lindsay, you're in your optimal state. (laughs) This is is what we crave. And it's exactly to what you were saying. It's, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And if we're not faced with some sort of adversity in small doses or something that we can overcome or get creative, we wouldn't be evolving and being adapting the way we have been so far. Yeah, no, I, it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. That's, that's what sports is really all about. It's about overcoming and, and building that championship mindset. Like you see it a lot with teams where it's, uh, you know, they have to overcome that one team to break through and get to the next level. Like you see that a lot. And um, no, I think it's that way in life too. It's, it's, there's, the struggle is what makes it fun. You know, that's what makes life like exciting. If we didn't have any struggle and we we're all just, everything was perfect. We'd be so bored. Just, you'd just be like, all right, what are we going to do today? That's perfect. I mean, you, you know, you listen to like people like Jordan Peterson talk about it. Like, yeah, you'll lay on a beach for a week and then, and then what? You're going to be bored to tears. And it's like, yeah, you, you want that struggle. You want that feeling of accomplishment. And you'll never know that feeling unless you push yourself and push the boundaries and, and push your mind and push your body and push, push everything. And I think that's why like physical fitness is so synonymous with that for me, because I know that if I can battle through a hard workout and push my mind past that moment where I was going to break that, that I can overcome anything in life the same way. 
when I'm about to break, I know there's, if I just keep pushing on the other side of that is great satisfaction some way. And, and that's the thing that can keep me driving forward. So like you said, the optimal state is that 12%. That 12% is that, that last moment right there where you're on the cusp of breaking, but you don't. And then all of a sudden you, you, you just turn into a superhuman. When, once that's the one thing that no one can take from you they can't they can no one can take your mind away from you mm, they can take everything more. else they can take everything else i mean they can take your your money your physical can go away everything can go but if you have a strong mind they can never break that that is it's just it's a lockbox that you only you have the key to so if if something goes wrong it's your fault it's <laughs> It's your fault because you let, you opened it for other people or other things or anybody else to take advantage of it because you hold the key. Because this is the only thing we're given. When we talk about freedom, that is freedom. Ultimate freedom is our minds and our ability to think and conceive and create. That is, that is the most wonderful gift we have as human beings, in my opinion. How do you know when it's safe to share it with someone? How do you know when it's safe to like open up that lockbox? Uh, I think a lot is probably intuition. Uh, I like to say, uh, they say, what is trust? And I say, it's, um, um, you know, repetitive action over time, essentially. That's how you build trust. If, if I know that you're gonna, if you tell me you're gonna be here at six, and you show up at six repeatedly, you earn my trust. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of what trust is to me. Is it's just repetitive, positive interaction over time. Probably the easiest way to explain it. Yeah, absolutely. So, kind of backing up a bit because something that piqued my interest was, you know, this really deep understanding of self. And knowing how to come back to self and almost keeping this objective bird's eye view of what's going on Mm. when, and I'm like imagining, uh, you know, all the roles of the Joker, right. And how that, that role was like, don't do it. Right. Didn't Mm. Jack Nicholson. There was like this warning, like, Hey man, I almost didn't come back from that. Right. Yeah. Um, which is like full body goosebumps, even thinking about that, but when you're in that world, right. And you have to immerse into basically being another identity, being another person. How do you keep that distinction? How do you know who I am day to day walking around Nick? And then I show up and can completely transform into this other human with a different understanding of consciousness or a different understanding of trust and truth. Yeah. I think it comes from a lot of deep work of knowing yourself before you put yourself in those situations where you can be can end up that way you know I, I think that's what happens when you talk about there's always these childhood actors who have all these issues and things it's like well they never got time to discover who they were they were always playing characters for shows or movies or whatever and and it was just character after character so in this moment they're not discovering who they are or what they like they're discovering what that character is how they live and so i feel as if it's almost better to make it later on in life because you had the time to go through experiences do the work and understand have a deep understanding of who you are and 
where you're willing to go, how far you're willing to go, the things, your moral compass, what, what, just all the little nuances of what it is to be, I guess, an adult human. Um, so yeah, I, I just try to, you know, in acting class, we had a thing is like, once you take the costume off, you put it in the, you put it in the trunk and you close the trunk. And that's where that stays. So the character stays there. You don't take it home with you. You don't leave it. You leave it there. You know, you leave it at the door. I have the same thing when people come to my house. I say anything that's going on in your life that's bad or whatever's going on in your life, leave it at the door. So when you come in here, this is a this is a Zen zone. This is a safe space for you to just be. You don't have to bring all the issues and problems in here. Leave it at the door. And that's the same thing that when I was in acting class, I was taught is just leave it in the trunk. Mm. When you get off the stage, take it off, leave it there. You know, you can do the work, but when you leave, walk through that door, it's over. And, you know, you see a lot of people, a lot of amazing actors, they, they spend a lot of time doing that. And then there's other people who, who don't work that way, you know? So I think it's just preference on how people are and, and the, how they just work through their process. But for me, I just, I'm that way. I'm just I'm leaving it here. I don't, yeah. Have you ever had a role where it was harder to leave it in the trunk? Harder to leave it? Actually, I think one of the hardest ones was in acting class. I was, I was playing a character. It was from a play called Homefront. And it's about a, a kid who gets shipped off to Vietnam and he comes back from Vietnam. And at this time I was, I was still drinking. This is probably 2011, 10. I was still had been drinking alcohol a little bit then nothing heavy, but it was just, it felt so heavy. And I was like, ah, oh, I just need something to just relax. Like I feel so heavy right now. And, and the character, you know, drinks and things like that and so that became part of it and I was like noticing that I was having a little more alcohol than I normally had and I was like I don't drink like this what's going on here and I just didn't feel as good and it was it was tough it was a couple months of working on that and then I was like what am I doing this is I don't need this I don't need to do that so when that when that was done when we were done with that portion for class I was I was like happy. I was like, geez, it felt like such a relief to finally not have to, you know, go through the rehearsals of over and over this emotionally taxing, dramatic scene. So yeah, it was tough. Yeah. I, uh, I, you know, we're kind of reaching back here, but when uh, everything with Chris Rock and uh, Will Smith, right. I hadn't watched what was it called? King Charles, the, the movie where yeah, he's yeah. seen us Venus and Serena's dad. Yeah. And so like all of that breaks out at, at the awards. And I was like, man, you know, everyone's making memes or making remix songs. And I was like, there was so much of me that was like, man, what's going on? Right. Like, what is it that made it okay for that display to happen or like yeah. somewhere in his body, he was like, this is the only way to react to this in this moment. And mm -hmm. a couple nights later, I went and watched that movie. And 
it was crazy to me how much similarity there was, right? Because it was like this dad who was going to do anything and everything to have his two daughters be successful in this sport and was going to get jumped at the local tennis court where he would play just to get his kids, you know, playtime and all of these different things. And so I was watching this and obviously I have my little like therapy hat on, right. As I'm kind of like watching the news (laughs) unfold, but uh, watching the parallels between like, okay, well, his wife, right. There was like this dig at his wife and people can say whatever they want about their relationship. It's not ours, right? Like keep your nose out of it. My friends, you got better things in life, but um, to watch like the second somebody that he loved that he was like in his mind like this is what I stand up for right this is what I I live for and then to watch that movie through that lens it kind of got my brain going on like how how little do we really know about how hard it is to keep the role and self kind of distinguished and different yeah yeah that was an unfortunate incident I mean again like you said we can't really poke our nose in other people's business we don't know at any time what everybody has going on so it can be tough be really tough how have you I know that you attribute a lot of it to the books that you've read the work that you've done um how do you continue to work on self as you're immersing yourself into different characters how do you keep the two separate oh man meditation I've recently got more deeper into meditation where I was doing, I said I was going to meditate for 60 days straight. And that's been a huge, a huge help. I just try to find something that I can do to add to my, I guess, toolbox of self-care. So I just, I'm always looking to improve myself any way I can. So whether it's stretching or reading, learning something new skill or, you know, meditation or cold showers or Wim Hof or you know whatever I can do to add the tools that I need because I think a lot of situations happen where it's like you don't have the tools it's like right now you know you need a screwdriver but all you have is a hammer in your toolbox right everything looks like a nail when you're a hammer kind of thing right yeah yeah and so you're like well I'm hammering this thing but nothing's happening here And, and you you don't realize that you don't have the tools until you go explore new things and, and read new things. And then you learn like, oh, oh, that's a screw. I need a screwdriver for that. Now I have the screwdriver. Now you, you go screw that in and you unlock another, you know, another part of yourself or, or, you know, you need the right key for this door, but you don't have that key. And then all of a sudden you come across this key and, and then you, you put in that door and it opens up a whole nother world of things. And so I think it's just constantly trying to evolve and um, just work. I, I always, I just want to be the best human being that I can be while I'm here. And I want to get everything out of myself while I'm here. I don't want to leave any juice left in that lemon. I'm trying to squeeze every last drop I can get out of myself. And so, yeah, it's just a constant evolution of, learning and I love learning so I don't have a problem with the with the process I know you know I know practices of all kinds are how we get better at things and to be a master at things that's that's the little details because the first 80 percent is will happen quick the next 20 percent is 
that's the 10, 20 year process of putting in the work. But yeah, so that's what I do. I just study a lot, really. So one thing uh, one of my mentors tells me is that we're always one thought, one step, like one inch away from self, right? Capital S self, the one that we're hoping is driving the bus. And sometimes, right, we get triggered and these different parts come up and all of a sudden my angry parts driving the bus or my frustrated part or my sad part or whatever. And if we can have that one second of like dual awareness, right? Hey, I'm, I'm acting in this way. And, you know, maybe you've done enough work to understand, you know, what the trigger was or what, you know, what it is you're acting out. But if we can find that dual awareness, self is right there, right? That mm-hmm. tapping into this is what it feels like is happening, but this is what I'm going to choose to do instead, or this is how I'm going to choose to respond instead of react now. And um, has there been anything influential, be it a book, a practice, um, that has increased that capacity for you? Cause none of us are going to get out of this world without being triggered, right? None of us are going to get out of this world without looking back on something being like, dang, I wish I responded in a different way. But if we yeah. can have these practices of finding when it is that I'm acting out of ego or out of stress or out of whatever, and bring myself back to self, hopefully, right. We'll have less and less of those memories to reflect on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think what you said is is a huge step in the process in itself is just becoming aware of when you're doing those things and catching yourself. And that's a huge step. It's like, hold on, I'm, oh, I am doing. And then you already, once you notice that, then you can start to create the change. I think a lot of times before you even notice it, you just, you get in these moments and you have no realization where you're, that you're even in it. So that process of catching yourself and being like, okay, I know this is what's happening right now. Then you can slowly start to work on the response to that stimulus or whatever outside thing or whatever influence is happening to you in those moments. Um, Yeah, I've had some experiences lately uh, that have led me down a whole different path as far as that goes. Like the loss of ego was a real big one for me. And through meditation and reading and studying and, and different avenues, I've come to that, that loss and it feeling being okay. I think when you, when your ego's fired up, you know, it's, it's there and you don't want to lose it and it's, you, you can't let it go. And there's still little things where you're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I still, I'm still it. But once, once it's completely dissolved, and you realize that life is just a journey and it's just about enjoying it as much as you can and, and enjoying the people as much as you can. Um, it's just a beautiful experience. You know, I, I was telling you earlier, I played in a basketball tournament this weekend. It's the biggest one in the world up here. And we, we won the elite division. And previously it was always like, all right, let's go. I was locked in and, you know, no friends out here were ego and I gotta be I gotta score and I gotta do this and and this time it was just it was so different in a beautiful way where I was just I just was in the moment and just enjoying it so much and you know if a guy scored on me hey man that was a great shot and it's a different it's a different feeling of satisfaction in those moments than it was previously when I was really super competitive and that and ego driven and I, I just enjoyed this feeling 
so much better. Like I felt good. <laughs> I felt good. It feels great to win, but it feels it feels good to just have fun and be good and light while you're doing it. It feels even better. And yeah. so it it was a very egoless experience this time. And I I was just I just did everything I had to do to help my team win. Like it wasn't my role. I was not the best player on my team at all. But I just I just did what I had to do, what what my role was. And then I didn't have any ego about it. There was nothing there that's like, oh, I need to do no, I'm good. Hey man, you guys do it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and that was that was just a new experience for me. And so I think a lot of the practice and the things, the meditation and all the stuff I've been doing, I saw it all play out in this event, which is another thing is like, man, all that work you did, did change you. It did mm. help you grow as a human being in another way. And um, even people I'm around, they're like, man, you're, you're just different. You just you feel different you feel lighter you feel you're not the same as you were like like I think you said earlier is you know when someone told you that you've changed you're like well, great that's such a compliment thank you I appreciate you noticing that I've changed you know and that you've grown and become a different person and so I think that that's that was another beautiful thing about this whole experience is like yeah the the work I've that I've done on self you know, like you said, and the ego has paid off and it's something I'll continue to work on and catch myself in the moments where that ego does flare up. Cause I'm sure it will. Right. You know, well, we don't, it, it, ego kept us alive for a really long time, right? Like it's always yeah. going to be there. It's just a matter of, do I give it the driver's seat or do I like notice when it's there? Yeah. And I, I had some moments where I would, I would tell myself, Hey, you, your ego's starting to creep up on you right now. Just take it down a notch. Hey, you're right. Mm -hmm. You're right. Okay. I, I hear you. So dang. So I have this love and affinity for Phil Jackson, the old, I mean, yeah. I guess Bulls coach and then Lakers coach and athlete yeah. himself. But did you watch the last dance? I did when they get, did their whole part on Phil Jackson and all these, like, they kind of made him out to be like this, like woo woo kind of kook guy. But yeah, I was yeah. like, dude, there's a reason why his teams win, right? <laughs> like they're tapping yeah. into something that isn't, um, you know, you talked about the beginning of this podcast, that identity that we kind of give our self-worth our validation, we externalize all of that. We're like, hey, you tell me I'm good at this thing. This championship ring tells me I'm good at life or good at my craft or good at, you know, a good athlete, a good, mm -hmm. you know, then person. So how was that kind of transformation for you from, okay, I am, you know, kind of outsourcing all of this validation to then finding it internally? Oh man, that's a good question. I, Mike Tyson said uh, on a podcast, I think it was, he said, they're like, Mike, you were great. You were great. And he goes, yeah, but I don't want to be great. I want to be a good person. He said, great is just doing something repetitively for a long time. That will make you great at whatever it is. He said, but I don't, that doesn't fulfill me. I want to be a good person. And I think that that's, 
that's kind of my goal in life too. It's like, I just want to be a good person. I think we can find anything that naturally comes to us and we can be great at that and be fulfilled by that. But if you're not happy with yourself and you don't validate yourself, once that's over, you're going to be lost again, you know, because that validation is not going to be there that you're not that guy anymore. And, and so a lot of people will try to hold on to that as long as they can. Still, I'm still that guy. You no, know, you were that guy. You had your time. And you have to realize that your time is gone now. And someone else is coming up who's going to be it's their time. And it's, it's understanding that not everything lasts forever in this finite world we live in right here. But there is no finite world in your brain. <laughs> your brain is everlasting, ex expansion, whatever, whatever whatever's in there is different so it's just recalibrating and refocusing and, and finding new things that you're passionate about so for me I just I just filled it with a very much understanding that it's it's that was my time and it was a beautiful time and I enjoyed every bit of it and now this is a new time and now I'm gonna re recalculate and and pivot and find new things that bring fulfillment to me while I'm here but mostly I just I just want to be a good person that's it I think that's the best thing we can do I just want to be a loving person and you know hopefully that I can put a smile on people's faces when we interact and I guess that's even a selfish type of ego thing it's like yeah I want to make people smile but like I don't know I just want to be happy and be a good person that's it <laughs> what a great <laughs> no I love that right because it's like what do you want to be when you grow up good person probably yeah. the best answer I've heard so far because everything there'll always be something you can do it's just that that's just in life we have to do something so it's like you'll always have something to do and every job is important that guy laying concrete or the, or the gal that's doing you know sanitation like those roles are to me they're secretly they're more important than a lot of things that are happening out there they keep the world we live in function and without those people I have such high respect for people who just you know plumbers and and contractors that go out there and put in hard labor jobs all day long like that's hard work and it's not fun and you know that when you finish paving that road guess what you're going to the next road like there's no, it's monotonous and it's the same thing. So I have a high level of respect for people who do that and, and appreciation for them and gratitude for all the things. I mean, even when you get a meal and you see there's seven ingredients in your meal, in your salad, it's like that didn't come from one place. Like the farmer had to grow that. Another farmer was growing that. Somebody had to pick it. Somebody had to ship it. Somebody had to you know, it's, it's a whole, we're all dependent on each other. It's a huge ecosystem. It's all dependent. And I think the pandemic taught us a lot about how dependent we really are on each other, you know, with supply chain demands that we have now. So every time I get something like a salad and seven degrees, I'm grateful. It's like in my mind, I can picture how many different sources this got to this moment right now, where these people in the back took all those things, prepared it for me. And here it is. It's like, man, I'm really grateful that I can have this. And so I just, a lot of gratitude and appreciation for, for the ecosystem and all the people of, of how we collaborate and make, make our world function.
Yeah. Understanding the collective, right? There's that. I always think of self-work. People say, you know, boundaries are selfish or doing this thing for you is selfish. And, and to a degree, yeah, healing has to be, if that's the way you want to paint it, selfish or centered around the self and, and preservation, mm-hmm. right? That's all of us are here because we were able to preserve self this long. Mm-hmm. Um, but my opinion is, right, the more I change the way I interact with myself and I understand my internal world, I'm going to start responding to the world differently and in turn, the world's going to respond to me differently, right? My energy is affecting mm-hmm. this other person in a completely different way than they would have ever experienced And so I think that it's, you know, this to go back to that dual understanding of like, I'm Mm -hmm. one step away from self at any given time. Yeah. Um, Something you said, and I'd love, I'd love your opinion on this because it's a, I think it ties beautifully into kind of this life after sport or, or many selves or, you know, many lifetimes that we experience in this one and it was a Olympian and I think she was an Olympic softball player. And she said, athletes die two deaths, right? Their actual physical death. And the day they retire from sport, because it's like, Hey, I had all of this thing. That's all I knew for so long. And now that's gone. Mm-hmm. What is, what is that life after sport? Like, how do you want to, how do you want to go through this world without that? Man. I mean, I'm still going to compete in something just because I, I need that challenge to overcome. And it always, it just, it's just a marker in your journey to say, oh yeah, there was that moment I overcome that. Oh, I did that. And I overcame that. So I think it's, it's always just a good mark of your progress. It's almost like a progress sheet and you may not get better every time. It may get worse, but it's still, you still went through it and you're, you'll overcome it through your mind easier, maybe not physically. Cause as you get older, it's just, you know, that Murph time's not quite as fast as it used to be. <laughs> Nowhere near my clean, guy. <laughs> yeah. That clean and jerk's not quite as high as it used to be. So yeah, I, I think, I think for me, I'll always be competing and I'll always be competing against myself mostly make myself better because that's all we can do i'm sorry i completely lost your question no all good it was kind of what is that life what is that life after sport yeah it's just gosh it's it's i don't it's beautiful (laughs) i don't know how to describe (laughs) it i mean it was beautiful playing and it was and it's it's it, it just feels like being reborn and going through that's that's all everything's a season you know it's just a season and then you're reborn into a new season and then you'll find something else and you'll be reborn and you'll learn more and you'll be reborn again and it's just this constant cycle of just I guess birth and death as as she said so it's it's not only in sport it's in you know different parts of your life I'm I'm sure when you have kids it's a similar experience like oh wow my, my life has completely changed now and then now the kids are out of the house at 18 years old. And now my life's completely different. A whole new thing is going to happen now. So, yeah, I just I think the most important thing is just knowing that that's going to happen, accepting that it's going to happen and then having interests other than 
that one thing, you know, you can become so obsessed with one thing that like, yeah, it'd be way harder when that thing's gone or if it's taken away. But if you have other interests and hobbies and things that you like to do, it's a little easier to transition to things. So there you go, my friends. If you take yeah. nothing away from today, that was the mic drop at the end. <laughs> Don't yeah. allow the obsessions to be healthy, but recognize when they're obsessions. Understand yeah. the importance of detaching from them or, you know, worth from outcome, all those different things. And Nick, mm-hmm. I so appreciate you sharing your own life experience, sharing what has, you know, so profoundly changed for you through these different seasons and I'm sure they'll continue to change if oh, yeah. people want to watch that journey. If people want to get involved, if people want to connect, where do they find you? How do they do that? I mean, I'm all over all the social medias on everything. It's just at Nick Denby. I'll pop up on there. Um, and yeah, I don't know. We'll see what else comes down the pipeline. I, I mean, I got some things I'm working on and hopefully, you know, I can just share some tips about life and, along the way and if you can take value from it then beautiful if not throw it out (laughs) if it doesn't work for you don't keep it no reason lugging it around just toss it to the side you know (laughs) advice is what it is if it's free advice that's what it costs there you go it's easy to get rid of (laughs) very easy (laughs) nick thank you so much awesome thank you Lindsay. 